0: First, uh, the first hour this morning, we were able to baptize uh, Billy uh, Gable. His, uh, Chris and Harry brought Billy up, and we baptized him over here and just got to celebrate this new life in us. And as I was thinking about that coming up this morning, I was thinking about kids and how uh, curious kids are, how um, interested they are in the world. Everything is new for them. It made me think about when my kids were little. We were out in the backyard once looking at squirrels you know, just because they're out there. And in my mind, I'm thinking about how can I take this squirrel out? You know, how can I get this squirrel out of my yard? Uh, but one of my kids turned to me and said, Dad, well, uh, squirrels have tails. Why don't we have tails? That was their question. Why don't we have tails? I'm like, that's a good question. Another time they asked me about uh, Santa. They're like, how, how does Santa bring presents to kids who don't have a chimney in their house, don't have a fireplace? I'm like, that's a good one. I'm still working out that one. If you guys have any insight, uh, they've moved on from that one, but I'll have grandkids someday. Maybe I need an answer for that one. Uh, children are filled with this, uh, this curiosity. They question a lot of things. They seem to be consumed with questions. Sometimes if you have little kids in your life, you know, they can start hitting you with questions one after the other. And the challenge is they're not all that interested in the answers, right? You get around to the answers and they've moved on. Uh, but they have this curiosity that seems to be part of who they are. This idea of wonder about the things around us. And, and some of us are still trying to live into that, even though we're not kids anymore. We're trying to ask questions. We're trying to, to stir curiosity. There's things that we wonder about. I wonder about, like, why the best part of a cucumber tastes like the worst part of a watermelon. You know, why, why is that? I kind of wonder about that thing. I, I wonder about when you're a kid, you sneak out of the house to go to parties. But when you get older, you sneak out of parties to get back to the house, right? Why, why is that? I'm curious about these things. Kids are naturally curious. Everything is new and different. They have all these firsts, right? The first uh, carrot, the first solar eclipse, the first kiss. Uh, But eventually, we start getting past all the firsts. And we start to repeat our lives. we start to enjoy routine, stability, start to like the predictability of life instead of all the surprises. Instead of sitting by the window in the airplane, where you can see everything out there, you sit on the aisle because it's easier to get to the bathroom when you're on the airplane, right? We're practical. We make sense. It's logical. We start to lose some of that curiosity, some of that wonder that we seem to have when we're kids. 225 years ago, a British historian and thinker named uh, Thomas Carlyle wrote these words about worship. He said, Worship is transcendent wonder, wondering for which there is now no limit or measure. That is worship. Wonder is the basis for worship. There's a good reason to develop in our lives, in our hearts, uh, wonder, curiosity, Uh, you know to develop this idea of not we don't have all the answers and curious about what some of those answers could be it helps us grow in our ability to worship our awe-inspiring uncontainable creator god it moves our attention outside of ourselves and puts it on other people and why they do what they do a curious mind is open to new discoveries and god's dynamic and and creative world that he has put together and God used people's curiosity in the Bible to, to draw them along with him as he was moving in their life. I think about Moses as he was out there watching the sheep, and he saw a fire off to his side, and he looked, and there was a bush on fire, but it wasn't being consumed by the fire. So Moses said, I will go see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And God used it to help Moses take the next steps in his, in his experience Abraham asked God when he heard he was going to have a child and he was knocking on 80 years old. And Abraham said, how will this be? How is this going to happen? I don't think it was as much a question of doubt as it was a desire to understand. I don't get it, God. How are you going to see this promise through? The curious shepherds hurried to downtown Bethlehem to see the baby that the angels had sung about. They said, let's go and see this thing that has happened, that the Lord has told us about, the wonder of what they beheld, what they saw, the infant Jesus there. It so stirred them up that they went and shared it with everyone they encountered. In the Old Testament, we read these words. It's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search them out. God has built this world, this planet, our bodies with with intention, on purpose, to operate in a certain way. We have systems in our body and in our world that he created, and, and we get to explore those things, be curious about them, wonder about them, lean in, and, and, and try to understand. I like how that verse says, that it's the glory of kings to search them out, and I think they wrote that because kings have the time and the money to go explore while everybody else is busy working. But today, we can create space to be curious and to wonder but there is a phrase that we've heard, you guys have probably heard, curiosity killed the cat. You ever heard that one? Uh, is curiosity always a good thing? Uh, if it kills cats, can, you know, what can it do to us? Is it always good to be curious? When Jesus was getting ready to leave the earth after he escaped the tomb, uh, his disciples were so overjoyed to see that he was alive again. He said, but I'm going to be leaving, but I'm going to come back. And they said, when? When are you coming back? You got to tell us when you're coming back. And Jesus said to them in Acts chapter one, he said, the father alone, God, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. Doesn't matter how curious you are about it. You don't need to know that to follow me, Jesus said. Timothy was a young leader in the church in ancient Ephesus and and Paul was his mentor and Paul wrote to him and said, here's some things I want you to think about, some strategies for, for leading well. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. That idea of itching ears, part of that idea there. It's, it means, it's a great word picture. It means a lot of things, but part of it is this idea of curiosity, wondering about other things. And Paul says some of those wonders, wondering will take you down paths that lead to myths, things that aren't helpful, aren't true. You need to be careful that you don't chase after them. There's, there's limits to curiosity. I think the principle is something like this, where God is clear, we anchor to the truth. Where God is clear, we we anchor to that truth. Where there's mystery, we go exploring. We get curious while anchored to the truth. It's sort of like uh, rock climbing. You know, if you've ever been out rock climbing, and you're gonna explore a wall on a cliff or something like that, before you go up there, you anchor in. You get some lines, you get some ropes that are trustworthy. You find uh, an anchor point that's solid. You have a friend that you trust come along and, and get on the other end of the rope. And so once everything is set and solid, you start to climb. There's, there's still risk, right? It's still risky, but you can go explore while you're anchored to what will hold you up, even if you were to fall. So it's in this way, curiosity grows our wonder and our worship of our anchor, of our our safe refuge, the creator and sustainer of all that we see, all that we might explore and be curious about. Uh, He holds us firm, and we can anchor ourselves to the truth. One of the ways curiosity expresses itself is how we interact with other people. Uh, A growing and consistent curiosity about those around us can really help expand our understanding of God's image in every person that we see. Scripture tells us that every person is made in the image of God, that they are wonderfully put together. And even if they're very different from us, we can learn something about God's glory as we ask questions, as we're curious about them. When we have real conversations with real people about real things, we exchange a small, rigid, divisive world, and we begin to explore an expansive, surprising, awe-inspiring neighborhood. So during this Faith Everyday series, we're meeting people from Hillcrest who are experiencing God in their everyday, ordinary lives. And this morning, we get to hear the story from Kerwin, Kerwin Brown. And uh, he and I got together a few weeks ago and and shot a video. He's going to be out of town this morning, and uh, plans changed, so he's actually here. He was playing guitar this morning up here with Trey. Um, But we shot this video, and we thought we'd go ahead and use the video this morning so you can hear a little bit of his story and how curiosity uh, keeps him aware of what God is doing all around him. So I want you to watch this with me and then we 'll talk some more and it 's a little bit of a longer video. we don 't normally show videos this long it's about it's just over eight minutes so I'm, I'm thankful we have comfortable chairs. Just want to encourage you to kind of snuggle down in that chair and uh, enjoy Kerwin's story with, with me okay let 's watch this together.
1: Kerwin, thanks again for this time. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name is Corin Brown. My wife, Kirby, and I and family started going to Hillcrest probably 20 plus years ago. So a long time, uh, been in the Kansas City area for a long time. And I work in the baking industry uh, with a trade organization in the baking industry. So Our, our vision statement right now at Hillcrest is uh, pursuing new life
0: together in Jesus. Uh, just tell me, what does that vision statement mean to you?
1: Yeah, I, I sort of focused on the together part, you know, so uh, so together, for me, really means like breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, parties, funerals, whatever you know. Sort of the good times and the bad times. I think uh, not just on Sunday morning we're sort of you know uh, dressed up and and looking and, and looking good on Sunday mornings. And so what is all that other time that kind of uh, where life is happening? That's where I think that's that's where. It Means a lot.
0: Maybe where life feels a little more real yeah. when you're in your Certainly. everyday kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah.
1: And real was the word that I was going to use for sure. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Kirwan, one of the things I really appreciate about you is your intentionality and getting to know other people, conversations with other people. Yeah. So, how, how do you see that pursuing God come out as you're in conversation with others?
1: Yeah, I think uh, sort of back to that real thing. I think it certainly is being real. It's willing to ask some questions. I had a great breakfast this week with a friend and just got to ask him, you know, what's kind of what's God teaching you or where you at? And he talked about prayer. And so he actually said, and the great part is he said, I'm not very good at it. You know, I'm just, this is not thing that I'm very good at, but I'm working at it. And so he gave me a couple of book titles and he said, this is, these have kind of helped me. So I think that sort of living life together and and uh, again being that real is sort of our theme and, um, uh, and you know just being around each other and, and having those conversations. I, I think those conversations, the more I have real conversations with people about really who I am and where I am and the struggles and all that, I think that's really where we experience life or experience God. Um, it's when we we dig a little, d- dig a little or a lot deeper into each other.
0: Yeah, because God's active and moving in people's lives right. in different ways than it might be in your life. So they share, here's where I'm
1: experiencing God, and you get a window. Yeah, totally window. And this was like, I'm like, yeah, I know I need to be better at prayer, and he just gave me some really good. And I just think of this guy as as one of my like. He's just outstanding. It seems like everything he does in his Christian life. And he was saying, man, I really struggle with prayer. I just, I'm not very good at it. And so I'm leaning to it. And I was like, wow, that, that really helped me. It was like, wow, if he, is he, if that's, he's not very good at it. I thought he'd be really good at it. So I, that was really helpful. So.
0: And for him to be able to say that to you, yeah. says something about that you have gotten to know each other outside of the church environment. You've shared life enough that he trusts you to be able to say what's really going on in his world. That he's struggling with that, That's and great. then and then you're able to grow in that. That's encouraging. So one of the challenges I would think over time is just remaining curious about other people's experiences, what God is doing in them, and um, especially when they might like have a different way of approaching life than you. So how have you uh, helped yourself stay curious yeah. in conversation with others?
1: So I had a big birthday last year, and I and I feel like as. When I looked around, I saw that as people got older, they sort of polarized themselves. They got more rigid in their beliefs. You know, they watched the same TV shows, they talked about the, to the same people, and all that. And they just got more and more sort of a, a small world, I would call it. Not, and,
0: not anybody at Hillcrest, of course. No, no, we're no, talking no. about other
1: people. Yeah, other people. Right. Right. And uh, so, sort of a smaller and smaller world, and then. Also looking around over the last year or two, how divisive our, our world is. And it doesn't matter almost any point or any topic, you're gonna you're just gonna be polarized. And so I, I thought I don't want to do that. So I was sort of journaling and, and thinking about it and, and praying about it. And so I came up with 10 people that or 10 topics that were different for me. So if I'm white, black, if I'm straight, gay, if I am pro-life pro-choice, if I'm a conservative male, maybe a a liberal female. So I came up with 10 of those, and I said, I'm going to have a meaningful conversation with those 10 people and somewhere in my life. And I also realized that my world is pretty small. I have a pretty small circle myself, which I was not very happy with. You know, I'm like, I don't really even know that many people in these categories. And so that was a very, like, revealing or shocking or saddening or I don't know what it was, but it was like, I don't wanna be that. I wanna be something different. And so I prayed about how would God put me, connect me with people very, uh, different, than you. very different from me. And, and then I came up with six questions and they were not you know, super you know, deep or whatever. It was one, of them, one of them is, who's your hero? And uh, if you had a voice to someone like me, what would you say or and what's one or two things you want someone to know about you and so it's just those and then I just I just ask them the questions and I listen and I never have once said anything about my belief and they don't really ask me about my belief but they're but it's been it's been good just to have those conversations and I have learned so much. in in those conversations.
0: Uh, How have you seen uh, Jesus being an example of someone who listens in that way?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, when I started doing it, I started thinking about, you know, thinking through the New Testament and where Jesus was interacting with people. And virtually every time you see him interacting with someone, it's someone that's really not like him. You know, if it's a a prostitute, the woman at the well, or it's a tax gatherer, or, you know, Matthew and, uh, or just, so many people that he interacted with were either not way not like him or they were not who he was supposed to be with. In what, what religious leaders would say, you're not supposed to be with those kind of people. Smelly yeah. fishermen and all that. Yeah. Um, so it was like, man, so why are we, why, do, why don't we do that more? Why aren't we more curious about or with people that are not like us? And maybe also we're not supposed to be with. Which I think is, Christians should be with those people.
0: I think it's probably you know human nature to be around people you're comfortable with, right. people like you. It just feels better. Right. It's easier. It's easier. E- it's easier yeah. yeah. So you you've said I, I'm going to push myself to do something that's not easy and comfortable, right. and and how do you see that expanding your faith or your understanding of what it means to follow Jesus?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't exactly know yet because these people often do believe very differently than I do. So then where is that? You know, where so I'm struggling with because yeah, I'm just struggling with what does that mean. You know, I do have these beliefs in these areas and there are people that believe very differently for me. So what is the common ground or I don't know and I, again I haven't made it a point to try to change their views or something yes, yes. Uh, just mostly listen but and that's worked
0: so well for us before when, <laughs> yeah.
1: made people when you change. yell at them and scream at them and try to get them changed it, it works every time so yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, have you had times with them since those conversations is there was it like a one-off kind of thing or do you see it being more of a I'll go back and connect with them again yeah or?
1: a few of them I have good relationships with so I, we're still Underneath. you know we're, yeah we're ongoing so yeah.
0: So in these conversations with others, is there something that you've noticed, like something that's been most impactful for you, like a a theme or something similar between all those conversations?
1: Uh, I think overall, I think we have a lot more in common than we do in differences. Uh, I've learned something from every single one of them, you know, that I, I probably, I did go in thinking this, and now I think this.
0: Isn't that a good conversation with Kerwin? I really appreciate him taking time to do that. I, I'm not sure. I think Kerwin is probably one of those window seat people on the airplane, you know, loves to sit by the window. He's definitely, when we talk about uh, spiritual pathways, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, my guess is Kerwin is wired up with that relational pathway, that he senses God's movement in his life as he's interacting with others and talking and hearing their stories, uh, especially those that are pursuing that new life in Jesus with him. And he's been able to develop this curiosity about other people that has helped him experience a bigger God, a greater God. He's grown in his empathy for others. Misperceptions that he had have moved towards comprehension. Misunderstandings have begun to shift towards insight about other people's lifestyles. And it's because he took the time to sit and listen and ask questions. And it doesn't mean that Kerwin has let go of his anchor. You know, even at the end, he said, I still believe differently than them. He's held firm to his belief and his trust in the one true God, but the, the movement of God, the size of God's creativity, creative expression in this world has expanded for him. I like how Kerwin says, we have a lot more in common than we do in differences. So often we heighten the differences between us and other people because uh, it maybe is more exciting or it, it gets more people motivated to see what's different, those that we have to stand against. But in reality... We have so much more in common with people that might look different than us. I I appreciate Kerwin's approach to Jesus as well. He saw how Jesus did this, how Jesus came alongside people that were very different from him and and experienced life with them. And and Jesus asked great questions. He asked people questions. Hundreds of questions we have in the four gospels, the stories of Jesus. Just a couple questions that jump out to me. Uh, He asked one time, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? any of you by word that's man that will make you think for a little bit won't it why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye yet fail to perceive the log in your own eye why why is it why is it so much easier for us to see the issues other people have than it is to see our own issues or take time to focus on what we need to work on jesus said once why do you call me lord lord and not do what i command said if i'm if i'm in authority over your life why are you not doing what i've asked you to do I'm very clear about what I've asked you to do, Jesus says. Why aren't you doing those things? Do you want to be well? He asked that of someone who had been sick for, for years, and, and they've struggled with their, their infirmities, and he says, do you want to be well? Of course they want to be well. What kind of question is that? But it makes you think. What was he getting at? Jesus once said, who do you say that I am? I'm like, what do you, what's your opinion? You know, it mattered to him. What, who do you say that I am? That was in Mark chapter 8. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus asked almost 20 different questions in that one chapter alone. It's incredible. Well, and what blows me away is that the Bible tells us that Jesus knew what was going on inside of people. At one point, Jesus said, you know, I don't need anyone to tell me what they're thinking about because I already know, I know what's going on inside of a person. And yet he continued to ask questions, even though he knew what the answers would be. He asked questions. How much more should we be asking questions when we don't know what's going on inside of a person? What they're thinking about. Jesus used questions to challenge people, to get them thinking about things in new ways. And he also used questions to show people that he valued them, that he wanted to hear their perspective or their thoughts, that, they, that, that their point of view m- made a difference to him. And then this is made clear in Paul's writings to the church in Philippi. If you've got a Bible with you, I just want to invite you to open up to Philippians chapter 2 a passage that some of you might be familiar with, but Paul writes here about being concerned about other people, what they're interested in, Be concerned about what their interests are. And, and Paul wrote these words when he was uh, under house arrest, so he would have been chained to a Roman guard with a huge sword strapped to the guard's hip. And I feel like, Paul, you've got some concerns. You know, <laughs> you're under house arrest, but Paul says, don't be thinking only about your concerns. Think about the concerns of others, even in his situation, he still wanted to be thinking about what other people needed to hear. So to this church that he loved so dearly, he wrote these words, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm going to read about five verses here. Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not only looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind that Christ Jesus had. Paul says, make my joy complete. Jesus talked about his joy being made complete as well in our unity. But Paul says here, make my joy complete. By learning how to love one another, to, to look out for the other, to exchange selfish ambition, to looking out to the interests of others, to release vain conceit and instead hold on to value, that, the value that others have. Do you see that in the text there? And then Paul says Jesus is our example of this. Jesus showed us this in a, in a vibrant way, uh, divine Jesus, uh, uh, God himself limited himself to time and space, stepped into our reality, came to us to, to understand our needs, meet our needs, be with us in our needs, gave up all the glory of heaven to enter into his created world, limiting himself. This, this is what love looks like. This is love, the love of the Father for us. Our selfishness insists on our way. Our conceit raises our interests, our own concerns and preferences above those around us. It it makes my desires dominant. It puts me at the center of attention. And to break this natural tendency, we're invited to be like Jesus. In verse 4, there's a key word in verse 4, that word only. Don't only look to your own interests. Paul is not telling us to approach others as better than us. Biblical humility doesn't say, I'm worthless and you are better. That's not what Paul is encouraging us to do. He's saying, choose to put their needs before your own. What's important to you is important. It's valuable to you. But put their interests before your own. As one well-known saying goes, humility is not thinking less about yourself. It's thinking about yourself less, right? You've heard that before. So we are curious about the experiences and viewpoints of others, just like Jesus was. And that curiosity uh, should and can take the form of questions and and listening to others, listening so we can grow in our understanding of the experience of the other person, our empathy for them. Uh, We don't listen so that we can debate their answers. We don't listen so we can gather up ammo ammo to tear them down. We we listen so so we can learn about their experience in this world and, and believe that God is still working in their lives in ways that maybe they don't even they're not even aware of but our understanding of God grows through their experiences. Proverbs 18:15 says this, wise men and women are always learning, always listening for fresh insights. Wise people continue to learn and grow in their understanding of who God is. And there's another thing when we ask questions and listen to answers, we are loving and valuing others. I asked Kerwin how his curiosity has helped him to follow Jesus. And you could see in the video, he, he was a bit unsure about how to answer that. He's like, I'm not sure yet. I'm still kind of working that out. I don't want to answer for Kerwin. But I bet he would agree that genuine curiosity in another person can help us grow in our ability to love them as Jesus has called us to love them. Just, just think about the people that you feel loved by. Think about the friend or sibling or parent or spouse or neighbor that, that when you're with them, you feel loved by them. It's because when they ask a question and you begin to answer, they, they listen to your answer. They look you in the eyes as you're talking. When you express an emotion, they reflect that emotion back to you. They're, they're in it with you. It brings up emotion in themselves as well. They're not distracted. They're paying attention to your story. And doesn't that feel like love? You feel loved by them when they listen that way. You're valuable to them. This is why curiosity can be a a good thing. When we cultivate curiosity and express it honestly to those around us, they experience it as they can experience it as kindness, as as value, even love. They might even feel loved because we've asked a question and we want to listen to the answer that they have. And this is how Jesus said we could figure out if we're heading in the right direction with God. And we wonder, am I walking with God well? Am I experiencing God the way that he wants me to experience him? Well, Jesus said, one of the ways to figure that out is if you're loving others well, those around you. Are you growing in your ability to love those, especially those who are different than you are? That is what love looks like. So I want to encourage you to ask questions and, and stoke that heat of curiosity in your life ask good questions. This might be part of the challenge for you, is you're like, oh, Nate, I don't know what kind of questions to ask. There are bad questions, aren't there? I mean, when you grow up, you hear that there's no bad questions, but there are bad questions. There's things you shouldn't ask. Like, you shouldn't look at someone and say, why do you look so tired today? That's not a good, that's not a good question, okay? Don't ask that question. You never ask someone, are you pregnant? Never ask that question, (laughs) okay? I hope you've learned that lesson. Don't ask that question. Um, you, don't, you know, why did you get that tattoo? That's not a good question to ask someone. Okay, those questions kind of come with an assumed answer. They carry with it some agenda. Uh, so think of some better questions, and you can find books that are filled with questions to ask to create conversation. Here's some questions: What cheers you up when you're having a bad day? That's a good, quite open-ended question. Someone can answer. Uh, what are you watching or reading these days? What, what are you interested? What are you into these days? That's a good question. What are some of the best? What's some of the best advice you've ever received? That, that's going to get some good conversation going as you talk about that. So I, I want to do something right now, and, and some of you, are, you're going to want to kill me, okay? But uh, I, want to, I want to practice this. I want to give us a chance to ask a question right now of someone else and to hear an answer and then, and then have them ask you the question and you answer. So I'm going to give you a question, and I want you to find a person to, to talk to you about it, that one question. So it could be someone sitting next to you, could be behind you, might be across the room. Um, I know we're not all extroverted. We're not all people, people, you know, persons, people. Uh, so this might, be, you might, this might be risky, but I'm going to ask us to do it. I'm just going to give you like uh, 30 seconds to answer and then give them about 30 seconds to answer. So it's not a lot of time. And the one thing I'm going to ask is that before you start talking with the person that is next to you or that you want to go ask, just make sure you look around yourself for a moment. Okay, make sure that there's not anyone just not connect, you know, someone on their own. Invite people in. If it, if it means there's three of you, that's okay. It can be three of you, but, but make sure everybody's included in this. And if you're watching online, I've got some instructions for you too, so don't just go walking away. We've got some good work for you too. So uh, here's the question, and it's one that Karun asked there. Uh, who is one of your heroes? That's your question. Who is one of your heroes? So I'm going to give you about two minutes. I want you to find someone, ask them that question, listen to their answer, and then, then have them ask you the question and you listen, all right? So go. Go ahead and do that. Get uncomfortable, here we go. If you're watching online, uh, if you have someone next to you while you're watching, uh, go ahead and take this question on together, ask that question. Uh, if you're watching this later and you're, you're by yourself, I wanna encourage you to grab your phone and think of someone that you'd like to connect with in a deeper way, in a new way. And I'd love for you to send them a text right now or uh, DM them uh, this question and you can say, Uh, I was listening to a guy at church and he said I had to ask this question and I've been wondering how you're doing. So, uh, you know, who who is one of your heroes? Just go ahead and send that question out and let it create some, some conversation for you. Okay, if the first person's still talking, give the second person a chance. Make sure the other person has a chance to answer the question. Let the other person go now. Start to finish up, start to wrap up now if you can. All right, let's start uh, coming back together, start wrapping those up. Let me get your attention up here. We're going to get going again. Thanks for taking the risk to do that. I'm proud of you. Good job. All you relational pathway people need to quiet down, all right? (laughs) Quiet down. Get your attention again. Good job. That wasn't enough time. I know that's not enough time. Maybe you can continue uh, after we finish up this morning. But uh, thanks for practicing that, taking a chance to do that. Um, It's not always easy shifting the attention off yourself onto someone else. And and we can grow in this. We can get better at being curious, at growing in our ability to wonder. Uh, Not to be nosy, but to be curious. There's a difference, right? asking good questions, that can become more and more natural as you, as you try it out. It's a skill. You just have to work on it. We, we are big world people. We believe God is bigger than our understanding, that he is beyond what we can grasp, that he's moving in every life around us. So when we ask questions and we focus on the needs of others while we're anchored to the truth, we actually can begin to see our understanding of God expand, his love and his grace, our understanding of that can grow. Following Jesus with our everyday faith means seeing others, especially others who are different than us, as deeply loved by their creator, made in his image, wonderfully put together. And their stories matter to him, and so they should matter to us as well. So let's get curious. I love Kerwin's challenge. Maybe you want to take on that challenge. Think of two or three people that are very different from you, and take them out for coffee. Spend some time getting to hear their story. Kerwin mentioned that he didn't. He had people that he, he wanted to meet with. That he didn't know. He didn't know people in certain areas of life that were different than his. So he had had other friends make network. You know, help network with other friends to make those connections. So we, maybe we can help you do that. But I think that's a great challenge. I also want you to know. In June, we're going to have a, a short four week uh, small community group gathering here on Sunday mornings. Mel Bachelman and Nate Severson are going to lead a group called United in a Divided World, and they're going to talk about how how we can. Um, sit with people, and grow with people who hold hold different perspectives, different priorities, different politics, and yet are pursuing this new life in Jesus. And how can we do that together? How can we be united, even though there's things we disagree on? And that's going to be taking place Sunday mornings in June. So maybe that's a great next step for you to be thinking about as we move towards that. But let's just put this before the Lord and invite him to speak to us. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. They're going to lead us in a closing song. And uh, let's pray together. Will Will you talk to God with me? Father, we're so thankful that you are a God of grace and mercy, that you have compassion on us uh, when we are uh, needing you to correct us and bring us back in line. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, grow in our ability to love others well. That we, uh, Lord, Father, we so love making categories and putting together boxes that we can put people in. Uh, It just makes sense to us, Lord, but it doesn't honor who they are and what you've done in their lives. Lord, uh, the fact that they don't believe like we might believe doesn't mean they are less than. You dearly love them. You created them. And so, Father, we pray you would help us grow in our ability to love others well, to be curious about their story, about their, uh, the expression of life that they're living out, Lord. Help us to grow in our wonder of your movement in the lives of all people, even when they don't realize it. Lord, help us to grow in our ability to love others and to hear their stories. Thanks for your love for us. We think about our story that you're walking with us through. We trust you, Father. Uh, Even in the hardships, even in the challenges, we know you are good and faithful and you are with us and we're so thankful for that, Lord. Allow us to worship you with our whole lives. Allow us to worship you in how we interact with others. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me and let's let's sing together
2: Bless the Lord. Did we sing, sing like never before, oh my soul, worship your name, God, Lord, I worship your holiness, God, oh, I worship your holiness. Come on, if he's been good to you, can you just give him a hand clap of praise? Come on, if he's given you 10,000, 100,000, a million reasons to worship him, can we just give him thanks this morning? We love you, Lord. Hillcrest, we're so grateful that you came here to worship with us. Whether if you were here or you're online, thank you so much for joining in, pressing in. We love seeing your faces each week. So as I send you off, I wanna give you a blessing. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you, make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Hillcrest, we love you. And we'll see you guys next week. Go be great. Have a blessed week.